Hey, strangers, welcome to a succulent new episode of the Strange Sessions. As always, I am Kurt, and I am joined by my longtime co-host, Krista. Hi, Krista. Hi, Kurt. And today we have with us special guest co-host, making his much-anticipated return to the podcast, is my brother, Corey Konechny. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you. I don't know about uh, the fact that I feel like everybody's... Energy just got sucked out of them because when they hear like a guest. <laughs> no, people, people like people. I got so many good comments about your. Yeah. The one on where I couldn't be on it or yeah, why the, I was here. Where your but voice was shot. Yeah. Ben, ben McDaniel. Yeah. That was a great episode. Yeah, but um, everybody just loves the way you guys interact. So I think putting a third person in there. I, I, I think people like it because it mixes it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, people right. are sick of me. <laughs> people are sick of me. <laughs> Corey, just do the show from now on by yourself. All right. See you guys. Uh, it actually worked out rains. really good because with starting my new job, I didn't know if I was going to have time to do research. And I was talking to Corey and Corey said, well, I'm on vacation. So it just worked out perfect that Corey is going to do a story and Krista is going to do a story. And I'm just going to hang out and drink my coffee. And is this the first time you haven't? Yes. Yeah. He gets to be me this episode. I get to be Krista this episode and just be like, that's interesting. Contribute absolutely That's a head scratcher. That is a real head scratcher. Say it's interesting at least a hundred more times and you got it down. (laughs) So thank you so much, Corey, for coming on. You're welcome. I want to give shout outs to our newest strangers. Those are Victoria Mays Hovick, Kim Howard, Justin Andrew Barstow, Kirsten Herman, Carly Sinclair, Julie Harker, Sarah Juden Hussein, Jonathan Davis, which I think that's like lead the, singer of Corn. Yeah, that's a lead singer of Corn. Wow. He's actually, he actually, oh, he said we didn't need to give him a shout out. Too late. Well, too bad. Too bad. Because <laughs> he was, he used to be, I think, on a different, under a, a different, different name. name. It's probably the government watching us. Oh, definitely. It's probably government. Uh, mm-hmm. We're on you, Jonathan we're on Davis. You. Uh, I mean, we're not going to do anything about it, but we're this on This name you. I think is cool. Laurel? Laura? It's L O R I A L. L'Oreal? 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 Laurel? No, L-O-R-I-A-L. I think that's a cool name. L'Oreal. I think it's L'Oreal Knack and Megan Hay, who joined because she lives in Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> so she's proving that she's Idaho proving exists. She's proving that Idaho does exist. <laughs> and we're, we're coming around to believing that Idaho is a thing. <laughs> so thank you so much, you guys, for joining the strangers. Um, housekeeping... I know you wanted to talk about Xander's podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one of our longtime listeners, Xander, has started a podcast because he loves ours. Mm-hmm. And its I haven't listened to it yet. You've listened to it. I've listened to the first episode. It's called Xander and Stone. And the first episode is about sleep paralysis. And I think he did a great. I think they did a great job. They have really good um, chemistry. He's from South Africa, but he lives in China. And he's been emailing us about this for a while. Yes. Like he, he wanted advice and then he emailed us earlier this week saying he finally did it. Yeah. Um, I, he love, said I love that he said he's an audio stalker. Yeah, he stalker audio stalks us. he listens us. to us all the time. He says if he's home, we're on in the background, which is so flattering. It is. And side note, if you're a fan of the show Lucifer, he sounds just like Lucifer, which is the actor Tom Ellis. So Yeah, I downloaded it because I really only listen to podcasts in my car on my flash mm-hmm. drive. So I have to download them as MP3s. So I've been listening at work a little bit. Yeah, I can't. But. But anyway, well done, Xander and Stone. Great. Yep. It was a good episode. So yes. So I'm excited to listen to it. And just thank you so much. And I'm so glad you did yeah, it's it. Just I'm so crazy. glad that we motivated so many people to do podcasts. They're like, if those punks yeah, can do those it. Clowns, if anybody can. <laughs> um, what else do we have? My job. I wanted to give an update on my job. It's going good. But I am just super, 
super exhausted because it's a whole new world than what I'm used to. And I'm still learning stuff. And I've barely been eating because I'm so nervous. But it's going good, I think. I really like the kids that I'm like monitoring their lunches and stuff. And it's like nobody really knows what they're doing right now. So I don't feel like completely out of the loop. But (laughs) it it is going good. But like I said, I was... I was like, well, maybe I could do some research for a mini mystery this week. And then I had uh, one of my uh, teeth busted. Oh, yeah. So I have a huge chunk. Did out you get of all signed my... up for insurance? And all I got that? insurance, but okay. I have to wait two weeks for my checkup. And At least even... you're not in pain, though. No, I'm not okay. in pain. So that's one good thing because I'm not a real big tolerator of pain. I'm kind you're, of a baby. You are. Corey will vouch for that. Um and a good friend of mine that I worked with at my last job died. Yeah. So that hit me kind of hard because she was kind of my go-to person to talk to. But uh, I had the funeral this week. Coolest funeral I've ever been to. Really? There was beer and hot dogs Ooh. and German potato mm-hmm. salad. Dang. So that's my kind that's of funeral. That's a celebration of life. That is a celebration of life. That's what I want you guys to do when I die. Yeah. Try. Okay. You can eat. We'll party hard. Eat, eat weird <laughs> stuff. and. Oh, it'll be one big taste test. It's <laughs> just one big taste test. <laughs> Um, other housekeeping, we've had a lot of people lately try adding people to the strangers and we don't let people add people to the strangers. They have to listen to the podcast. Yeah. We really want it to be just, we want it to be just people who listen to the podcast. So anytime somebody tries to add add somebody, it just automatically gets denied. And we have been talking about our route 66 trip. We've been planning that and looking into that. Um, Carly, our stranger in Australia who sent us to Vegemite asked me, she said in not this summer, but the next summer after this one, she's coming to the States because she is a huge fan of the movie, the Sandlot. So 2022. Yes. Okay. She's a huge fan of the movie, the Sandlot. And she wants to come to Utah to like tour where it was filmed. Mm. And she asked if I would go with her. Oh, that's cool. So I totally would. I've always wanted to see Utah. Utah sounds amazing. Hmm. So maybe before we do that, we'll get the strange states, Utah, and then oh, yeah. look into some of that stuff. And is there any other housekeeping? A lot of people have asked what I meant by getting uh, questioned by the military last time, <laughs> and it's because there are these youth cadets that cadets, are here, Navy cadets that are yeah. here at the building all the time. Like lately, they've been here almost all the time. And for some reason, last time they were just weird. They like the guards stopped us and asked us who we were and wanted identification and stuff. And it's like, dude, we've been working here for the last four years, four years doing a podcast, you know. And then we pulled up today and it's like, cool, nobody's here, but they're here. Yeah. So it'll be more low key today. Yeah. Um, I think the only housekeeping I have is about the mugs. Yes. So thank you to everybody who responded about wanting a mug. We've got the first eight people who responded, obviously, and then we have a waiting list as well. But more mugs have been made and are curing now because they have this thing that they paint on the outside that will protect them from like wear and tear. Yeah. Um, but we're still trying. Bear with us. This is our first merchandise. We're new at this. I'm still trying to figure out like just the shipping situation and how we're going to accept payments. So I mean, just be patient. It It took us four years to get this far. Just put it on the mantle for now. Once, 
once we break the story that Maura Murray's alive and she comes on for an interview, we're going to have tons of listeners <laughs> yeah. and those are going to be worth big money on yeah, eBay. And somebody else can uh, sell them for us. <laughs> yeah, then we'll, we'll hire somebody. We can yeah. hire somebody for that. I saw Corey very interested in the clam decanes. I think he should try one. I think he was more interested. He was looking at the mug than the clam. Oh. Did you try the clam decanes? I did not and that oh. mug might be gone. <laughs> oh, Corey's yeah. going yeah. to steal our mug? No, it. It's an old prototype. If you eat all those clam decanes. Where are the mugs? That's a good question. Somebody broke in and took the mugs. Did we put them in the closet? I bet they're in the closet. Yeah. They better be in the closet. Somebody, somebody we stole did their, leave them here. Somebody stole their mugs. <laughs> really weird. Sorry, people. Mugs. No mugs. Somebody oh, stole and them. they are. They're buying other colors too. So I think there's some red and black mugs, and then they have Sweet. white lettering on them. Um, so just yeah. Yeah, it's just us dipping our feet into the whole merchandise yeah. thing. Yeah. So I apologize if we're a little slow at getting those mugs going. Yeah, but we also prefer to do something that. Like with a personal touch, we yeah. don't just want to have some company in the middle of nowhere. Well, put some slap a logo. Eventually, on. we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, eventually we'll do easier. that. It'll be easier. It'll be easier. No, I do have a. Uh, we have a, a longtime friend whose family owns like a, a business that sells promotional items and creates promotions. So I would love to support them because they are a locally family-owned business in Wisconsin, not in this area. But wow, there's a lot of talking for ten minutes. Yeah. Corey, any <laughs> housekeeping? I don't think housekeeping, but one thing that for me is uh, being in the position I'm in, I'm, I'm not the official intern. <laughs> I never got that title. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone did but, yet. You know, first and foremost, I'm a fan as well. Yeah. So it's interesting to be here and with you being my brother, obviously, you know, there's background information. I know yeah. what podcasts are coming up or the topics. Yeah. yeah. I know ones you're looking at. I know some of the background stuff. Yeah, you generally know more about what we have upcoming than anybody else. Probably yeah, so more than me. Yeah, you probably, slowly, you probably you know, do know more than Krista with sometimes. With that, it's, it's weird. So from your point of view to the fans, this is going to be like a housekeeping for the state of the podcast, is that the fans should really know that you guys are like super sincere Thank and you. you hold the fans with a lot of reverence yes. and, and almost love yeah. for, yeah. for, for yeah. what they do. And the amount of times they post on yes. the Facebook page, for the amount of times they interact with sending things, the other social media accounts, that if there's any fans out there listening, I want them to really understand that you guys really care about it. Well, thank you. We and do. You put a lot I mean, of work genu- into it. We genuinely do. I we mean, don't even like calling them fans. No. No. Okay. <laughs> like, like, just, <laughs> that feels like, too like... Like you heard when, when, you know? when, you, when she picked us up at the park and ride, you heard that a lot of our talk on the drive here was about yeah, our like, certain fans and like who's doing what, who sent yeah. us this, who sent us this, yeah, and how so awesome if, it is. If there's any people out there, strangers or just people that maybe don't do the, the social media accounts that just listen... You guys really love the fact that you're a tight-knit kind of closed but yet open group where you guys can interact and it's not to the point where it's out of hand Mm -hmm. and everybody that uh, interacts with you guys seem like it's it's a one-on-one interaction. You know, so then to flip that, like I said, first and foremost, I'm a fan as well. So I look forward to the new releases of the episodes and all the things that are going on with that. So as... A fan, you know, I love the fact that all those people are posting things. Yes. So it's kind of a, you know, I'm seeing both sides of it. Yeah. And I see that how much they love and look forward to the podcast coming out and the interactions you guys have with them. And then by telling the listeners that you guys feel that same way as well, you know, I just wanted that to come across that 
it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah. And like Thank where it's you. at right now, yeah. I think it's super important yeah. and super fun what you guys are doing. So to see both sides of it and both the respect and reverence for each other, I think it's awesome. Well, thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to cry. Uh, <laughs> it, we, are, we have a fear of getting too big and losing this but sort of like, intimacy we have. I feel like we, we don't because I feel like some people do drift away from posting a lot, but then they new do. people come. We, we have had people who have kind of disappeared. But I, I know people have said that that's one of the things they love about the show is that we're sincere, that mm-hmm. we really are you know, we're never going to think we're too big for our britches and right. we're never going to, because there's people that just throw out a podcast and want ratings and want, yeah. and want numbers. They and want we, more listeners. We, and don't care really about who listens. I'm excited. We, we get a new follow, a new person on the strangers. And I'm like, oh my God, we yeah. got another one. <laughs> it's usually our morning thing. And it's like, not because we we're morning, excited about numbers. Yeah. Because we're, yeah. It's, it's because, because we're excited we're that excited. people actually care yeah. to listen. People so are listening. It is, like you said, it's a very, it's a very... I think unusual and a very good dynamic we have between us and our listeners. It's a mutual admiration. It society. is. Yeah, it really is. You, know, you have to look at somebody like like Joe Rogan, um, the amount of followers he has and the amount of work he puts into it. You just can't interact yeah. with everybody. And then you get labeled, you know, now with his move to Spotify, he's a sellout. Yeah. Mm. So you guys, no matter what, and I know what happens in your podcast as well, is that, you know, you get labeled or you you know, might not want to talk about a subject that somebody wants to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you spend too much time with this babbling in the, in the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> yeah. which I'm sure we, people are obviously... We have been accused of that. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, but there's know, so many people that say that they didn't like that at part. first and then yeah. they end up liking it because yeah, it's I, like listening to two friends that they, they get to know us. Yeah, and that's why I saw it. I thought, you know, being able to see it from both sides and, and being able to I, express... I never that. really thought about that, though. That you're, That's right, because you have a lot of the insider... Like I you do. know everything that's going on, but you also love listening to the podcast when it's yeah, released. So, you know, and that's what I wanted to come across from you to the fans. Sorry, fans. You to the <laughs> listeners that, you know, you guys are super sincere about it. And then also being a fan that, you know, being, I don't post a lot yeah. on Facebook. Like we said on the car ride here, I would get rid of my entire Facebook account if it wouldn't be for your yeah. uh, podcast website. It's understandable because I don't. But just I, seeing, you know, I log in maybe twice oh there was a strange noise let's <laughs> investigate uh, you know i log in twice a day maybe and every time it's the first notification that somebody has posted or comment yeah. or even emojied yep. if that's a word you know yeah. another person's uh post so it really is thriving you know yeah. more or less well thank you we have a nice little strange family. For we sure. do. We have such an amazing family. So thank you so much for that. That's, yeah, it was really sweet. That's something. It's we, nice to hear. We, yeah, it is really nice to hear. <laughs> something that we need to hear once in a while. Um, speaking of our awesome listeners, we have a package to open from. I think since you're me today, you should open it. I'll open it from okay. Stranger Chris. Are you going to struggle? Are you going to struggle? I, you have to grunt this? at least once. I shouldn't. I have my sweet multi-tool. I use it every week and I still end and up I'm struggling. And I'm having a hard time opening my multi-tool. <laughs> Easy as that. <laughs> Crystal rolls her eyes at me. Oh, and I almost cut myself with my multi-tool. So all right, maybe you, I didn't do as good as I thought. You poked through the packaging tape, but didn't go all the way from <laughs> front right. to back. Your technique because is I, lacking. I'm afraid of cutting what's inside of here oh. because I don't really know what this is. Yeah, we don't know if it's food or... I think it's something she might have made for us. A human femur? Who is this again? Yeah, a human femur. That would be <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Who is this again? Chris. Last one. Hedden. Oh, okay. 
be awesome if a serial killer sent us like a femur. <laughs> be, uh, did you say that'd be awesome? Yeah, because oh. I would be like in this investigation. Okay, we're not like part a, of the crime. Yeah, well, I meant more like in a Scooby Doo fun oh, kind sh- of way, not in like a realistic kind of way. Jankies. <laughs> All right, this See, is he's struggling. This is hard. Mm-hmm. Kristen would have got it done mm-hmm. a long time ago. Totally. He was too cocky going in. It might be a femur. <laughs> oh, wow. This is cool. She made this. Oh. The suspense is killing me. <laughs> it's like Christmas morning. We should save all these packing materials. <laughs> I'm, I'm frugal. It is seriously like a fifth grader opening up like the best Christmas <laughs> present ever. There's wrapping on the floor. <laughs> it's wrapping it's everywhere. All over the it's little everywhere. sweat on the brow trying to get into it. Can you see the sweat on the brow? No, I don't. <laughs> don't look. Oh, wow. I just got hollered at. It's going to be a surprise. Okay. Maybe if you <laughs> ever get it out. All right. I'm having a hard time getting it out, so I'm going to show it to them. Oh, I think it's... Oh, no. What? It broke. broke. <gasps> it broke in the mail. Okay. It does say fragile yeah. on it. Can it be fixed? <gasps> oh, my God. She made that? I believe she made that. No. Are you serious? Whoa. Yeah. Like she carved it? I think so. It's a Bigfoot figurine it is, it made is out a, of wood? Is it? But it did break in the mail. Like I'm super oh, annoyed yeah, that that broke. He broke at the knees. That could be fixed. I think it could be glued. I think it can be be wood glue. I don't think it's wood. If it's plastic, you have super glues. I can't tell what it is. It's heavy. That's very impressive. I don't want to take it out. It is super impressive. Holy cow. So I'm going to. There's so many innuendos happening right now. (laughs) 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 Okay. I'm going to take a picture because I don't want to remove it from the box. This is so cool. Let's leave it in the box, and next time, to. next time we come, let's bring glue. This is amazing. Like it's not shattered; it's like cracked no, in certain like places. The arms and and a foot and the knees. So he's like in one piece, but clearly, I think if we removed him from the box, he would yeah. come apart. I mean, basically, it looks like an eight eight inch Bigfoot action figure, but it looks like it's carved out of yes. wood. Wood. And it's just cracked at the knees, but it's still standing upright. Yeah, so I think if we glue that, it's amazing. If we glue that, that should be okay. Yeah. Wow. Right? Isn't it awesome? Hands. This is incredible. Wow. Thank you. Yes. My gosh. Thank you. Now we need shelving in here because this has to stay here. We could put it by the the coffee maker. The coffee maker. Careful. Ooh, fragile. Must be Italian. It's an Italian Bigfoot. Oh, thank you so Even much. Even Gorilla Glue, probably. Yeah, that That's impressive. amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. That might be one awesome. of the best things anyone yes. has ever sent yep. us. Oh, I have to do it. There you go. Did you get a picture of it? Two. Okay. Thank you so much, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I'm kind of blown away right I now. I think with glue, I think we should be okay. I think so, too. Okay, taste test. We're thank already you. 20 oh, minutes in. but you want to do the... Tarot? Yeah. Here. Or we could skip the tarot this time if you want. No, we can't. It's okay. part of our show now. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> okay, so we're this is for Corey, right? Okay. Yep. So do you have a do you have a question you want to ask, like a yes or no question, or or should we just do like a what should Corey be thinking about today or something like that? Yeah, let's do that one. I don't yeah. really have any yes or no. Okay. What should Corey be 
focusing on today. I think we're going a little long with our intro, but we should be okay because Krista said her story's not very long. It's two pages. I love that Bigfoot. It's amazing. I can't believe, I I just, again, I can't believe anybody would go out of their way to buy us something, but to make us something is just incredible. I think she made that. I'm not 100% sure if she made it or not. I mean, even if you bought it, that's easily, you know, several dollars worth. Oh, yeah. So it's, you know, somebody going out of their way to do that is crazy. Chris, I'll be messaging you probably today and just let me know about this because this is seriously today is in the day we're recording or the day you release this today's the day recording i'll message her but it's seriously astounding i love it so you got the four of swords okay so it's a little lamb with a sun in his forehead oh that's one of the things i like about the tarot cards is the way they're depicted yeah yeah this is a really beautiful set too it's a popular one Uh oh kurt was smirking i was i was smirking a little Uh bit Though threatening swords loom above, the lamb sits in stillness without fear. The four of swords says it's time to look inward and find the mental power to cope with the pressures. It's important to rest. That's weird. Anybody that knows us knows that you're the one that has all yes, the stress but in the family and it's I It's important have to rest. Kind of ties in what you and I were talking about with your sleep pattern right now That's with true. the kids and school. Yeah. Corey's having a really hard time because the kids have different schedules for school. And he he gets like three hours of sleep after oh, working. Jeez, yeah, you work, work at like six at night till six in the morning. Okay. He, he works at the nuclear. Oh, I have to take the kids to school. And so do you work three twelves. The most I ever work in a row is three twelves. Wow. And then I have two days off. And then I work two days. And then off two days. And, and then so you says, get home at six in the morning, and your kids are getting ready to go to school. Yep. There's oh, one man. day a week where I got to take them. It's eight o'clock in the morning. So then I have to sleep till eleven to pick up my daughter. Wow. And then I try to sleep again for another hour or two before I have to pick up my son. I, I couldn't, couldn't do that. that. And then I go back <laughs> no. into work. I go back into work that night and work another six. So you get, this is pretty where it says it it's is. important to rest. Seek meditation or find literature that focuses on ways to quiet your mind. Take this time to recuperate and move inward before these swords strike. Wow. So nice. That is. It is, that is, it spot is on. oddly. Um, I find it oddly accurate yeah. when I do it. Very for cool. Sure. Except All right. the ones I've been pulling lately. I don't get it. We have. We're gonna do two taste tests. These are both from. I do have wrapping all over the place. <laughs> These are both from April. We need to do some actual housekeeping. Yes, we do. These are both from April. Okay. This one, Corey and I have both already had, but Krista hasn't. And this is actually one of my favorite potato chips. Mine as well. It is... Voodoo. Zaps <clears throat> New Orleans kettle-style voodoo chips. Are they spicy? They're, they're, it's weird because I've been reading like people review them and say that it's always almost a different. Like yeah. sometimes it's more jalapeno peppery. Mm. Sometimes it's more vinegary. It's, it's very vinegar. Mm. A lot of people say it's very salt and vinegar. It's okay. not like Tabasco where you're going to have that heat no, in your throat. But it's like, it got like a spice. But a mixture of spices, like yeah. your Cajun, you know, if you'd have yeah. Cajun fries or... That makes sense. But New we, Orleans. I've never had these. We had them at, in the vending machine at the factory when I worked at the factory and I tried them and I'm like, oh my God, these are good. Let me yep. take a picture. I like the bag. It's Yeah, so colorful. Corey and I already both know we love these. Zaps potato chips. Do they? So does this company make other flavors too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. There are like a craw tater. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. I think it's like, called craw like tater. Yeah. 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 It's Does like it New Orleans. Like it's fish? like Louisiana. It's got Surprised like a, nobody a sent us that. Fish aftertaste, but not like a bad. Then they have like two or three other flavors that are. Not like most of our taste tests. Take one. 
I mean, we'll do the taste test. We, we both know how these are. Yeah. And they're delicious. <laughs> yeah, this is not a solo taste test. It's very much a salt and vinegar chip. Okay, ready? It is. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm. 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 Yeah, just a mild Cajun seasoning, I think. Is There's really... even like a sweet note. There is. And it's, it's mm. like, you know, like Canada has all dressed chips where it's like all like vinegar, like everything is mm. put on there. And that's kind they're of really vinegary, these, but yeah. not overpowering. But they're really good, aren't they? They are really good. Yeah. I love kettle chips in general because oh. they're so oh. crunchy. Yeah, I would pick oh, these over Doritos really or yeah. anything. Those, are, those yeah. are actually one of my favorite. Take, you can take the they're rest. like a perfect combination of salty and sweet. Yep. Yeah, but like I said, if you, I actually mm. read, I actually read uh, Reddit's devoted to these chips, and people say that it's almost like the batches are all different. Sometimes you're going to have a little more spice and a little less vinegar. Sometimes you're going to have a little more vinegar. Smoke, I do pick up on the smoke. Mm, interesting. But These yeah, really that is good. that is one of my go-to chips. Mm. I've uh, never even seen them before. Out of 10? I'm giving these a 10. As far Corey? as potato chips go, these are good. Yeah, I give them a 10 too. I, mean, I, I give them a 10 too. Because like I said, I would easily buy these over Doritos or it, Lay's. It's really or, easy right? for me to get bored with chips. Yeah. But these ones I always really like. Those are delicious. Yep. And now right. the one that I said is kind of payback. Oh, great. Not payback to AKA us. AKA gross. Crickets? Payback to Corey. Are there bugs involved? Crispy taco whole roasted crickets. Oh my goodness. That, that sounds awesome. <laughs> he seems <actually>. excited. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, Corey's the one who had us try. Was it the, the crickets? The crickets. Corey got us the crickets okay. and, the, and the larva. I want to say payback because this doesn't bother me one bit. Seriously? If it would have been something spicy, it wouldn't have bothered me one bit. This kind of stuff, no. It, what would bother you? We'll keep it in mind for next time. <laughs> <laughs> as think, payback i don't think i really have anything i oh, wouldn't man. try the, well i mean we obviously try everything anything with the fish aftertaste though ugh. yeah it's exo brand whole roasted crickets crispy taco crispy and savory mm. <laughs> so you know these haven't been bad the bug ones haven't been bad no i will like admit it's appropriate that it's more of a mental thing to get over the fact that you're eating a bug some Here's of the things on the old Fear Factor would maybe oh, be some of those things. Yeah. There was one where when they put still rats. Moving? The one with rats in a blender. They had to put rats in a blender and drink it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. I believe I'd there be... was one with bulls. Yes. Yes. There was one with balls, too. Oh, like the Rocky Mountain oysters? Yeah. And they weren't like cooked or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt smelled it and made a face. Don't smell it first. Just are they it. shaped like little tacos? Oh, they actually are, kind of. That's weird. I was excited about this until oh. I smelled them and saw them. That is a bag of bugs. <laughs> wow, that's a bag of bugs. That's your mistake. That's your mistake of smelling it first. <laughs> yeah. I'll take two. Wow, Ooh. Corey is. I'm gonna take a picture. That is a bug. Did you take a picture of the package? Yeah. Yes, I did. Oh. I was excited, and I am no longer. At excited. least they're really Six small. Six grams of protein. It's healthy. They just smell nutty to me. Like actually. a corn nut. All right, I'll smell it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. One, two, three. Oh. Well, um, mild taco, mild, mild. There's taco. like an underlying flavor though. That's like <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Oh, it's that, it's that, it's that aftertaste. That's I'm no. having another potato chip. Ugh. No. Who wants a potato chip chaser? <laughs> no, 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 no. You want a chaser? Yes. Uh, their crickets are born and raised in Austin, Texas. They're oh. farmed with the highest degree of quality, care, and transparency. 
Because they are an extremely sustainable snack packed with protein and truly delicious. I don't know if I'd say truly delicious. Yeah, I don't know about the truly delicious They're not delicious bad. Part. I mean, I've had worse I've had much worse. <laughs> on this show, I've had much worse. But yeah. it's... Yeah. it's Corey's, have, Corey's going I in mean, again. I mean, he can take him home. Corey's a trooper. He is a trooper. He's had like four. I had one. Yeah. I and I had gonna, to chase I'm, it with a potato chip. I am good. Ay, ay, ay. What? Seven out of ten? Oh, out of ten? Oh, um... I mean, as far as bugs go, I guess I'd give it like a seven. I, yeah, as far as dead, dried bugs go, I'd give it a seven. I'm trying to fit you both in a picture. I'm surprised you gave it a seven, the faces you Wait. were making. People it's want just that aftertaste is gross. Yeah, the aftertaste. There's that weird undertaste behind the spice that like you're like, dirt. yeah, this is a bug. Or like worms. Like you guys laughing at me when we got out of the car this morning. It's like said, it smells like it worms. It smells like worms. Like after it rains, it smells like worms. Oh, it smells That's like, the, there's like a worm like it smell. It smells like ozone. ozone. No, exactly. it smells like worms. Corey and I are right. You're wrong. Whatever. <laughs> it's what? weird that we both said ozone because that is weird. Oh, does it? Ozone comes. It I feel like first? that's a fantastic segue. We'll have Chris to go first. Oh, I was just going to say Corey <laughs> um, just segued into his story. Uh, so Corey doesn't know what Krista's story is. Mm-mm. Krista doesn't know what Corey's story is. Nope. I don't know what they both are. Kurt's all knowing. I'm all knowing and all seeing. Whoa, careful! I'm like Illuminati. So, so am I going we're going to jump into this. This is a mini mystery. Oh, mini, and it's mini, mini mystery. Mini. And I am just going to sit <clears throat> and hang out. Say witty things every yep. once in a while and look really cute. Yep. I'm just going <laughs> to hang out. Okay. Well, diving right in here. Mine is about the Tallman house. Or as I like to call it, the tall man house, because that's way creepier. It is way creepier. But <laughs> do you know where most people know this story from? Uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Yes, from yep. Unsolved Mysteries. That's where I remember first seeing it. The original Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, yes. nineteen. Okay. It aired. This episode aired on October twenty sixth, nineteen eighty eight. Yep. So in high school. I was, I was a, I was a senior in high school, and I remember because Dang. people talked about this story because it happened in Wisconsin. I don't remember it, but because I was it happened relatively near us. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So, so the house is located in Horicon, Wisconsin, which is sort of like east central Wisconsin. It's about 45 minutes south of where we are right now. And we did an, inve- we did an investigation in Horicon before you were in the group, I believe. Yes. We investigated me. a bed and breakfast mm-hmm. in Horicon. And then we wanted to actually go past this house, but I don't think we did. Well, and I found some websites that were trying to actually pinpoint where it is. Yeah. And I think they actually do yes. know where it is. Yes. Um, but it's directly west of West Bend. So yes. you should tell Aaron to take a ride out there. Yeah, we should. I'll stop interrupting you now. Mm. Proceed with your we'll story. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> In February of 1987, the Tallmans, Debbie and Alan, bought a bunk bed, a seemingly completely innocent and, you know, normal mundane thing, from a secondhand shop, assembled it and stored it in their basement until May of the same year, at which point they moved the bed upstairs. Apparently, from the moment the bed was used, the family was subjected to what was described as nine months of horror. So the children who almost never got sick all became seriously ill for no apparent reason. Their son who was sleeping, I think there are three kids and they don't use any of their names. The family's been very careful about not yeah, the family never releasing wanted names. This really released. Right. They did not, even when they were on Unsolved Mysteries, yeah. they were, um, they, I think they were, they didn't show their faces. No, they were like they, in shadow and stuff. Yeah. They yeah. changed their voices. They yep. changed their names. So it wasn't for publicity. <laughs> no, not at all. So their son who was sleeping in the room next to the bunk beds, uh, his clock radio started turning on and off and also changing stations. And I think it was the kind with like, you know, the dial. It was actually moving between stations on its own. 
I think he told his parents they didn't believe him at first because this is like the first thing that happened. Um, Alan, the dad, was painting in the basement and when he went upstairs for lunch and came back down to the basement, sometime in between there, the paintbrush moved from the table where he had left it to the bucket with the bristles sticking up. So I'm assuming like not handle. Yeah, like somebody put the handle in the paint. Right. So little things like that, right? Um, The youngest daughter... Who was, so I think there were two young girls and a son. That's what I got from what I read. And they were really young. Um, the youngest daughters were maybe two, three years old. Oh. <clears throat> she was sleeping in the bunk bed, the, this one daughter, and she claimed that she saw a red-eyed witch behind her door and also saw fire in her room, which ends up being kind of a common thing that happened in this house. A month later, the same son, having the issues with the radio clock, saw the same figure. I don't know where he saw it, if it was in the same room or not. The Tallmans ended up bringing their family pastor in, who claimed that he felt an evil presence inside the house. He apparently felt they were dealing with the devil or something demonic. And I did find a Reddit post. Um, somebody had looked up this pastor and found their name. And it, they belonged to a church where this pastor was sort of like very fire and brimstone. So it's not very surprising that they would walk in and immediately be like, it's Satan, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Um, a week before Christmas, their son saw something that was horrifying, some horrifying figure. They didn't describe it at all, but he told his mom that he wanted to leave. And Alan kind of got fed up and was like, look, you need to leave my family alone. Get out of this house, or if you want to fight someone, fight me. And then it all focused on him after Antagonizing that. Antagonizing the spirit. <laughs> exactly. Not, not a good like idea. A, that's a Zach Baggins move. A lot of times you're not even supposed to acknowledge that it's there, but I think yeah. when it's happening every day, not acknowledging it, it's not going to go away. Yeah. You hear advice like you're supposed to address it and say, this is my space. You can't be here, whatever, but then you're acknowledging it. So yeah. there's sort of like conflicting advice out there in the kind of paranormal community about what you're supposed to do in these situations. Um, so a lot of this is coming from the fan. It's the Unsolved Mysteries fandom page. Yep. I go there quite a bit, actually. Yeah, there's good stuff on there. Um, so this is something on their page that described another incident that Alan had not long after this one at Christmas. So, quote, three weeks later, at around 2 a.m. on January 7th, 1988, Alan returned home from the late shift. He, I think he worked third shift or a second shift, one of the two. Outside the garage, he heard an eerie howling sound and went to investigate. A voice came out of the howling and said, come here. He went around the back to see if anyone was there, but there was no one. He then went back to the garage and saw that it was on fire. He went inside to get a fire extinguisher, but when he came back out, the fire was gone. That, that's one thing I remember from the Unsolved Mysteries story is him seeing the garage on fire. And then he comes and out and it's nothing. just gone. Like, like the like, daughter like it never existed. claimed that there was fire in her bedroom, but yeah. obviously there was no damage from it. Um, the garage door was undamaged with no visible signs of recent fire consummation. When Alan got back inside, he went to reach his lunch pail that he had set down, but the entity then threw it across the room. This experience is interesting because both claims, both kids, I think the son also claimed to see fire inside the house too. So Alan began sleeping in his daughter's room to keep her safe. And one night a fog appeared in the room and Alan heard a voice coming from the fog that said, you're dead. Uh, I'm awake. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, nope. That's something you don't really want to hear. I'm going to move out now. So a relative who was a total skeptic was asked to stay with the family because Alan was working late and he didn't want to leave his wife and kids home alone anymore. And 
this person saw the same figure and apparently was just completely terrified by it. And Debbie finally was like, that's it. We're, we're moving out. We need to leave this house forever. So the Unsolved Mysteries fandom page indicated that they had the bunk beds destroyed and there was no further activity in the house. But I found an article on the Cult of Weird page that said, and this was a quote right from Debbie that said, the bunk beds were buried in a landfill where nobody will ever build. They took them out there and plowed them under. So it was a local landfill in Horicon. So they weren't actually destroyed. (laughs) No, but they were destroyed and buried. From what, from what I remember... Maybe they were broken down. Yes, from what I remember buried. reading... I'm they picturing were, like the entire bunk No, from what I remember, they busted them, busted them, and they broke them apart and then buried them. And then it. buried them. I would have burned them. But they, they wanted I'm to sorry. make sure they weren't put where somebody is going to build a house because they were so concerned about the bunk beds being haunted that it right. would haunt whatever was built on there. Yeah. So it's in a landfill somewhere yeah. in Horicon. The picture that I have in the teaser for this episode is the bunk beds. That's what that... That is, yeah. is the bunk beds. The yeah. actual bun- bunk beds. They look um, like handmade. handmade. They weren't like yeah. mass produced or anything like yep. that. So apparently the Talmans or Talmans moved out of the house on the night of January 11th, 1988. And they moved to nearby Beaver Dam. And while the activity stopped, I guess it took the family a while to get over the horror of what happened. Debbie said she initially was still afraid to be home alone at night. And a new family moved into the house that April and have never had a paranormal experience inside the house. The house itself has no prior history of being haunted. So it has to be the bunk beds from whatever, you know, what everyone thinks. So there's some extra notes on the page. So this is from, again, the fandom page, quote, the Talmans were beset by unwanted attention as a result of earlier ghost hysteria, which they did not seek. They had turned down a lucrative tabloid offer about their experience as they did not think it right to make any money off of their children's misfortune. The Talmans agreed to share their story with Unsolved Mysteries under three conditions. They were censored during the interview. Their children's names were, their children's names were to be protected by aliases and that all reenactments of their experiences be done by actors playing them. Mm-hmm. The Talmans' house activity was described in greater extent in the book, quote, Haunted America by Michael Norman and Beth Scott, but at no time in their research do they link the hauntings to a bunk bed. That's weird. It is weird. The activity is instead linked to the property as being located on or near former Native American burial grounds. That's such a cliche. Oh, just wait. <laughs> oh, since you hear oh really? <laughs> yeah. Corey, Corey's got stuff too with his. There's uh, there's Native American burial mounds right by my house. Jim and I. Yeah, you sent me that. I mean, that, it's like a half a block yeah, away. Yep. Are there trees over there? I can make you a bunk bed if you need. <laughs> yeah, we'll make you guys a bunk bed. Surrounded by trees. It's yeah, a whole forest. We'll make forest. you guys a bunk bed. Let us know how it works. <laughs> okay. Kurt will do it. Yeah, I'll make you a bunk bag. I got my multi-tool. With your multi-tool? My multi-tool. Um, and then this, just to end on, this is an excerpt from the April 1988 edition of The Quill, which I believe is a newspaper. An article by Barrett J. Bunsman said, quote, Ghost rumors had swept through the crowd at the Friday night basketball game at the local high school. Hundreds of cars swept down Larrabee Street. That's the street that the house is on in Horicon. Um, to drive past the Tallman home. People walked through the yards of the nine... Other nine houses on the block, climbing over fences and peering into windows. Drunks showed up. They weren't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> well, it is Wisconsin. That's probably yeah, that's true. <laughs> yep. They could have it's all probably been drunks. Drunk. There quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. They tried the doors and windows of the Tallman home, intent on getting inside to prove their bravery. When the police ordered the drunks and gawkers to stay away from the house, a few would-be ghostbusters told the cops to quote, "Go to hell." 
Arrests for disorderly <laughs> conduct were made and the street was barricaded. I think it just lends a lot of credibility to their story that they didn't want any attention from it. They didn't want any publicity. They wanted to remain anonymous. I, to me, they this didn't want to make any money off of it. Always been one of the most credible ghost stories that I remember hearing because like you said, they didn't want anybody knowing who they were. Mm-hmm. What, what would they have to gain right. by putting this out there? But I, I vividly remember the unsolved mysteries because you know, the, the paint, the paintbrush being upside down in the paint can. I remember that. I remember the garage mm-hmm. on fire. I remember the voices. And this, to me, this was always one of the coolest haunting stories. I was 11 at that time. So I don't, I don't remember. I remember the later episodes. So yeah. I have no memory of this at all. Oh, I totally but a lot do. of people on Reddit said that when this was brought back to, was it on Netflix again, like a few years ago or something? People said that it was revived. Maybe the series was series was revived, but for some reason this episode was left out. And people I think were for really the longest upset. time you couldn't get any old unsolved mysteries episodes. And yeah, then but then they, they came out with Dennis Farina was like hosting it yeah, instead so maybe of Robert he, Stack. Like so a reimagining of it yeah. or a rebroadcast. But they of were it. playing old cases from yeah. the original series, and people were really upset that this one got left out because everybody remembers this one apparently. Yeah, this is like a everybody that loves unsolved mysteries remembers this story, and it's cool because it's a Wisconsin. It's Wisconsin, story. and yeah. we were in Horicon. Yeah. So, very good. Yay. Thanks. When you said yours was really short, I contemplated also doing a really short mini mystery, but I decided against it. I mean, we're almost 45 minutes in, so I think yeah. we're okay. My mini mystery I was going to cover was... We'll save it for a future episode. No, because it's oh, really okay. small, and there's not really a lot about it, but it was the theory that the whole fiasco when they released New Coke oh. in the 1980s, yeah. when they released New Coke, and that became a huge uproar. Mm-hmm. Because they changed the Was that they actually did it because they were transitioning from sugared Coke to high fructose corn syrup Coke. Oh. And they wanted people not to be able to tell right away the difference. So Mm. they went, stopped making the sugared Coke, and then they released new Coke knowing that people were going to be in an uproar and that people were going to be happy to have the original Coke back, even though it was the Coke with the high fructose oh, corn syrup. Big but there's, there's like a Snopes article about it, but everybody says no because they were actually started using high fructose corn syrup before that. But I was going to consider doing that. Mm. But I, I like stories like that, like the, the not traditional. Right. Like obscure, obscure kind, of. kind of stories. But then I decided, nah. Corey decided, nah. I said, nah. <laughs> so Corey J, what is your topic? Uh, and this my, is <laughs> this is the one that always makes people giggle when you say my topic is about Mel's hole. It is Mel's <laughs> hole. <laughs> Great. We've actually had people ask us to do Mel's hole. There was another story about someone's hole, and I laughed, and it ended up being a really tragic story of like a dude who got. Oh hung yeah, it was that tree. one. The guy that hung. And, yeah, <laughs> I felt really so, bad for laughing. Yeah, so this Hopefully is this nobody is, died. This is Mel's hole. This is Mel's Have you ever hole. heard of Mel's hole? hole. No, not. Well, I don't think so. On February 21st, 1997, a man named Mel Waters, who at that time was 65, was a guest on the Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell show. And so we've, we've, first, talk, we've brought up Coast to Coast quite yeah. a bit on this show. <laughs> first yeah. sidebar, Coast to Coast was awesome. Yeah. For somebody who worked with third Art shift. Bell. Yeah. Yes. For somebody that worked third shift for uh, mid to late 90s to early 2000s, it would only come on locally at 11 o'clock at night and it would play till I think four in the morning or maybe three in the morning. And where I work and what I was doing, for the most part, I always had access to it. And, you know, there were times where the episodes were super 
crazy. Like yeah. the, the callers or the topic would be something. That, uh, like we've talked about the Area 51 caller that called mm-hmm. in there. And all frantic. And all yeah. frantic, yeah. Um, and then you had a couple that were down to earth. Like I work at a nuclear plant. And I was listening to a coast-to-coast AM show about nuclear accidents. Like ones that <laughs> that's, were that's you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously Chernobyl and Three Mile Island. But these were like the broken arrow scenarios where yes. they lost a, a nuclear missile yeah. mm. and they found them and just luckily they were they didn't find all of them i mean well, there's exactly. still some there's still yeah. some dropped nuclear missiles out there that they didn't find oh that's good but everything from <laughs> government conspiracies to aliens to you know everything paranormal it was an awesome show but the callers were just bonkers yeah most of the callers <laughs> were just bonkers but anyway um he would actually call back about five different times over the course of the years and it pretty much rallies down to about five and a half hours worth of conversation with Art Bell. And this was all Art Bell. This wasn't George Norrie, who was a later host after yeah. Art mm-hmm. had retired and all that. Um, he previously faxed, you know, so this does go back to 97. <laughs> it goes back quite a bit. Wow. So he faxed Art some of the strange information about the property that he owned. Uh, and he owned it for about the last four years. Um, Art then, through the fax and getting a hold of Mel, told Mel to call in. So they had a show dedicated to Mel. Um, he talked to Art directly for about 40 minutes. Mel claimed that he owned some property near the Menashtash Ridge in or near Ellensburg, Washington, the state of Washington, which is um, apparently near some old Indian burial ground. That seems to be the theme for today's mm-hmm. episode. Uh, Mel and his property had a nine, and a half, nine to nine and a half foot diameter hole. Um, the hole had stones around it like a retaining wall. And then looking down into it, which you could really only see uh, with light about 15 feet down. And then after that 15 feet, it kind of stopped turning from stone and turned more into like a dirt mixture. Um, it almost looked it, like a well. In it that looked photo. like a larger well. Yeah, it looked like really a big, big well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the soil was intermixed all the way down. Um, Mel knew that the previous owners uh, and neighbors, numbering about 20 people or so, knew about the whole being on its property. Uh, they would come over and throw garbage and stuff into it, which <laughs> come on. I, I don't I guess, you know, you have something. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, just don't get that couch. I got a couch. Yeah. To get well, rid of. One of the things I was throwing in there was a refrigerator. Oh, boy. Jeez. How deep is this hole? I mean, that's 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 that's, that's, that's where the okay. mystery comes because you would think that stuff. Corey will get to that. Corey will get to that. Oh, Krista. he just curted me. He did. I was waiting. <laughs> Someone, whoever had the first hour. I was waiting for you to Corey her. Yeah. Uh, Mel thought one day that the hole should either have filled up at some point with all the things that apparently were being thrown in there, but it never really looked any different. Hmm. Um, He wondered if he could see how deep it was, and this is all in conversation with Art. Uh, He claimed that he was a professional shark fisherman in the past and that he happened to have a lot of old fishing line. So one of his earliest attempts was to see if there was a possibility of hitting the uh, water table. Hmm. So he hooked up a roll of Lifesavers, the old Lifesavers candies. (laughs) To Where they're all like connected yes. to each other? Okay. Through the, the fishing line string or whatever. Okay. And then he dropped it in and let it sit at different depths over the course of time, thinking it would dissolve once mm. it hit the water table. He dropped it to at a, his last point was 4,500 feet. And he brought it up. I want to say I think it was an hour and a half later. It did not dissolve at all. So he's 4,500 feet into the earth. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. So just short of a mile, you know, miles, what, 5,280 feet. You would think that you would hit the water table. Exactly. You know. Um, And then over time, he was, you know, obviously surprised that that 
he didn't find any kind of end to it. He ended up using 80,000 feet of 20-pound test fishing line with a one-pound lead weight on it, you know, to have weight so he yeah. could drop it down. Um, it, it wouldn't is, get caught up then anywhere exactly. along the sides. Okay. So he made it to what it, it still did not hit the bottom at the max of the 80,000 foot mark, which is 15 miles <laughs> of fishing line. 80,000 feet. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm really curious to hear what your theories are. What, no, what, what, what your verdict is on this okay. because I've, as you, I, this is something that I used to be fascinated with and I haven't really followed up on it so i forgot a lot of this but oh. when Corey's talking about it i'm like yeah i remember that okay sorry, i feel like we on. need josh gates he'll if there's a hole he'll fall in, he'll climb into it you that's, know that's also an issue is that <laughs> nobody really ever knows yeah where somebody's got to go in. oh okay yeah but there's pictures is or, there? oh we're gonna get to that i guess <laughs> that look, <laughs> Ooh, that look Corey just, just curded Corey just, Corey just curded me with a with a look with a look oh. yeah, so only that, a brother can do that that eighty thousand. <laughs> 80,000 feet is about 15 miles of fishing line. He swears that he did not hit the bottom and that all of this is completely true. No echoes or sounds from the hole or even sounds of things being thrown in or hitting the bottom ever occurred. Um, Mel threw old picture tubes down there to try to, because, you know, they're pretty fragile and if they would hit something, they would break with a, like a kind of small explosion. And they never did. Animals seem to be scared of the hole. Mel's wife worked at the Central Washington University. She tried getting some professors or teachers with some scientific background to come and look at the hole, and they never did. Mel says that this is his first time going public with a story, and you can tell in his, his timbre and stuff, he's, he's really kind of nervous. Art suggests that someone goes down on a rope, but Mel thought <laughs> that the air quality could possibly be an issue, not to mention the possibility of the rope breaking. Have you listened to the audio of him getting interviewed? I've listened to all five and a half hours. <laughs> That's what I told Corey. I said, Corey's kind of like the resident expert on wow. Mel's hole now. And then as I'm writing down notes, I'm so it probably ended up totaling about uh, seven hours. I was going to ask you what, what your opinion is of his, but I'll let you, I'll let you get to the end. Whether or not he's authentic. I, I understand why sincere. you ask me questions a lot okay. now. I do. I do. Are, are you curting me? I'm, I'm not just... <laughs> There's a lot of curting happening today. So yeah, they were worried about the rope breaking with somebody on it. They mentioned dropping a light and an old-school video recorder down on a rope as well. They discussed the possibility of it being an old mine or of how it came to be with, like, lava tubes and all that kind of stuff. And then one of the callers to the show stated that he looked up to Mariana's Trench, which is, I believe, what the deepest thing they've ever found is proven, and that is 36,000 miles. Which Miles? Miles. Oh, sorry, 36,000 feet. <laughs> I was, was like, going to say, holy cow. Are we cow. in China at this point? Sorry, 36,000 feet. So Mel's at 80 is more than double the deepest part of the known That makes scientific. Suspect. That's, that is suspect. <laughs> and that using current equipment and technology at that point, the maximum mine depth ever documented was 1,600 feet. Uh, one of his neighbors told him a story about a dog dying, and instead of burying the body, they threw the dog in the well. And it was later seen alive. Chris is gonna cry. Oh wow! Later seen alive. So the dog is okay. <laughs> by the hunter <laughs> in a pet cemetery kind of situation. It was later seen alive by the hunter while he was out doing some hunting. That's creepy. The dog collar was still attached, but he knows he dropped the dog and it was dead down the well, or down the hole. Sorry. That's that would creepy. almost suggest that there's like a 
other ways into this hole, maybe. If you're not no, going for a paranormal if explanation. That, if they've dropped refrigerators and whatnot down there, you would hear... If it if you could drop it enough that the dog would survive the but fall, maybe you would on the hear way the down there are too. other offshoots. The dog wouldn't be know. able to, to. You you can easily tell they're imi- they're imitating, intimating pet, sem- pet sorry, intimating that the dog was reincarnated. Sure, yeah. I'm trying to avoid that because it sounds crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for the logical explanation. <laughs> uh, Mel mentioned that his own dogs and even local wildlife were scared of the hole. No birds would ever land on the retaining wall. No animals were ever within several feet of it. And he also told his loved ones that if he were to ever die, he would like his body thrown in the oh well the hole to see what happens as well. Okay. That was his first call. The later call was three days later. Second call, sorry, was three days later. And that was because of such of the uproar of the first call. Art called him back, got some more information. And surprisingly, there was a few changes on the second call. Oh, so, really? Yes. So he changes his story? He doesn't change. He just adds. Okay. You would think in a short amount of time, there wouldn't be much to add. And it's, Three days. It's incremental, the amount of additions that go on. Okay. Um, he faxes again, tells Art there's been some updates. So Art gets a hold of him. Uh, Mel states that he went back to his property one day after being out shopping, and some armed military personnel had set up roadblocks blo- road with jersey barriers, which are these big concrete mm-hmm. you know, barriers, uh, around his property, and he could no longer access the road to get to his property. The military people said that there was a plane crash that had occurred on or near his property. Lies. Mel stated he didn't really see any smoke or any debris, um, which, you know, if it's on his property, it's pretty rural, so there might not be a chance of seeing the debris, but the smoke you definitely would have been able to so see. So they're basically, he's saying that the, they, the they military heard. The heard episode. They heard the episode. And they, That's also what is They want to yeah, investigate they Ned's hole. They want to investigate Mel's hole. Mel's hole, I called him Ned. So he calls a supervisor <laughs> over, and the supervisor tells Mel that he won't be able to access the land anymore until he was told, uh, until it was completely investigated. Mel stated that it was his property and that the supervisor said that it might not be his property and that it would be easy for them to find a, quote, drug lab on his property. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Mel left and asked if he needed to give his contact information to someone. They said they already had his information. (laughs) It's like... It's like... And this is before the internet. It's like X-Files. It's like X-Files kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Did they hold anything up and he made him look into it? No, No, nothing like that. (laughs) Mel asked if he could talk to other people in the town about this. The supervisor stated, quote, sure, not like anyone would believe you. A neighbor of Mel's told him that he thought he saw a solid beam of black light coming out of the hole. So it's a contradiction. Right, black light. But it was blacker than black. So basically the most intense shadow Mm. emanating out of the hole. Okay. So when Art called Mel, Art stated that Mel was extremely nervous and scared and needed to be persuaded to talk again live on the show and that by going public was probably his best course of action. Hmm. This discussion takes about 75 minutes with his second call. They discussed the popularity of Coast to Coast AM and that someone really important must have been listening. Mm -hmm. Mel admits that he actually has a lab on the property, but he really dances around what it's used for. (laughs) He... Art kind of suggests that it might be an actual drug lab, basically marijuana. Oh. oh. Mel dodges everything by kind of saying that it's a 
it's plant life from Native American plants that Indians used to use as medicinal herbs for alternative health. Probably so that's sativa or sativa so, or whatever that stuff sativa? is. Yeah. Sativa. So take that for what it's worth. He really danced around what it was. He did. So then the, the the government, the agents weren't really being no, but be, I, being jerks they, because I he think did they got really lucky have. with what they mentioned that you know we they happen to pick the one thing he does from have? you because we yeah. found a quote unquote drug lab. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Mel states that there was interest in someone buying the property with a very generous offer from a local real estate agent at this time as well. Arta Mel then rehashed some of the information from the first call. Mel says that there were no reports of a plane crash in the area in local papers or any discussions with neighbors or local uh, people. Art states that military aircraft cash- crashing may not be in the local papers. Mm. You know, They're not going to really kind of divulge that kind of information especially if it's like an experimental craft mm. so the fact that it wasn't in the news might really not big, be that big of a deal art and another caller suggest that they get reporters together and go out with the press to the property to kind of give the military personnel reasons to answer their questions another caller states that he knew of a professor in the area that over coffee one day told him he knew of a hole nearby that had no bottom wow so this would be an independent person who called in really? saying they had a discussion with a professor in the area that knew of a hole that probably did not have a bottom. Wow, that's interesting. I don't know if I knew that. Hmm. Uh, Mel states that he knows the hole has been there for at least 40 years, but assumes that it's been there for a very long time. Uh, Mel mentions that if the offer for his property is right, he'd like to possibly move out of the country. He is unsure about letting other people help, even Art, because of the worry of his safety. Yeah. So Art is suggesting we get these people to go and try to get access. You know, Art is pressing him for pictures. And, you know, he's like, I I never thought this would happen. So he didn't take any pictures. So he kind of does have all the right Mm, answers up until this point. Yeah. So the third call is April 4th, 2000. So we're three years later is the next time anybody gets a hold of Mel. Mel. Art and Mel rehash the story up to what we knew at this point. Um, Mel doesn't really make any mistakes or changes to the story for the first 30 to 35 minutes. He's spot on with, you know, three years later, he, he didn't make any mistakes in, in rehashing. You know, Art, I think... Tried to catch, tried tried to to catch, catch him. Tried to catch him, yeah. Exactly. Um, he said the U.S. government had now gotten involved, and he leased the land to the U.S. government in perpetuity, and they paid him $250,000 a month. Wow. Which is... That's a lucrative deal. How do we, how do we get in on that? Exactly. Wow. The, we got to find a hole. Get a drug lab. We'll get a drug problem. lab here in the school. <laughs> and they paid for his relocation to somewhere around Perth, Australia. The government made Mel leave almost as soon as possible as the deal was done. Mel was able to get his dogs. So he wasn't even on the property at this time on this nope. third call. Okay. He was able to get his dogs. Uh, the government and set up bank accounts in Australia for him to, according to him. You know, that he had money already in his account when he got there. A slush fund. Exactly. Uh, Mel, when he was in Australia, did work with more of these medicinal herbs. And he did some wombat rescuing, which, you know, wombats are yeah. native to Australia or whatever. Yeah. Art asks why he's back in the U.S. now after three years. Uh, Mel found out that he had been having issues and it ended up being esophageal cancer. Ooh. And that Mel also had some legal action against him by his wife. Uh, they had filed for divorce, and there were some issues with the property. What that ends up being, 
I don't know, they talk about modifications to the property, but at this point, he had already leased it to the government, so technically it wasn't their property, but there were some issues with the divorce with him and his wife. Did it's anyone never really ever hear from her about any no. of this? Okay. Nope. Um, he also lost out on a lot of his money. He was broke. Um, a lot of the money loss was due to the wombat rescue. And, and Vegemite? Was he Vegemite. buying all the Vegemite? And Mel I love said Vegemite. There was, <laughs> I love Vegemite. There was also some money spent to wine, women, and songs. Oh. <laughs> Is that what he said? Yes. Okay. Oh, boy. Which, I get know, the first two, but what about the third one? Is he buying he's like, just, lots of He just of likes carousing. He just likes going out Musician. and carousing. Okay. Uh, he was actually back in the U.S. a few months earlier than this call, and he had contacted Art to let him know. They scheduled a previous live talk. But Mel no-showed, even though Art had promoted the, uh, you yeah. know. That's shady. And yeah, that his, shady. His, his appearance was promoted all week. Mel states that he was on a bus to Yakima, Washington, and that there was that an alt- up, Didn't they show up in one of our other... Yakima? Stories? Wasn't it... Yakima. Where, where did that... The guy that disappeared in Texas and then his body turned up in Washington. Wasn't that Yakima? Was that Yakima? I don't remember. Really? Maybe there's something with Yakima, Washington. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, he said there was, he was on a bus to Yakima and there was an altercation on the bus. He wasn't a part of the altercation. He was a witness to the altercation. The next thing he knows, uh, some transit authority cops came onto the bus to ask questions about the altercation the second thing he remembers is that now he wakes up in San Francisco. Uh, uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> it is 12 days later, and he wakes up in an alley surrounded by bums. Still in the same clothes he was wearing when he was on the bus. All of his back teeth were removed. <laughs> Does he have a kidney left? <laughs> <laughs> wow. He also states that he can tell on his, on his arms that he's been hooked up to an IV uh, Seriously, does he have a kidney? <laughs> like, that's not weird. He's, he's, the only thing he's missing really is his back strange. teeth. He arranges uh, with his nephew on a phone call to get transportation back to Tacoma. To Tacoma. Um, and it's alluded to in this call that his scheduled appearance and promotion for Coast to Coast AM may have resulted in his kidnapping to silence or scare him. So Mel at this point is trying to get a hold of some people from his past that he maybe had run-ins with or around discussing the whole. Uh, one of the people that Mel is trying to get a hold of is a guy he sold a gun to. It was a Walther P- P38. Yeah, that was James that was, Bond's gun. It was also a Nazi gun, I believe, yeah, that I they used so. quite a bit in World War II. Um, Mel also alluded to the Heaven's Gate cult having some association with his property or near his property. And I, I didn't look to see when the Heaven's Gate cult killed themselves. So I think it might have been... So we're still in the early 2000s right now, right? This is, yes, 2000. The year 2000, yes. okay. So this might just be he grabbed on to the current news cycle, hmm. or there actually is some association to the Heaven's Gate cult. Heaven's Gate was the one where they all bought Nikes or something yes. and, and drank Kool-Aid? Was it? No, that's... No, the Kool-Aid my, was Jonestown. Yeah, Jonestown. They did They did poison themselves, though, yes. right? Yeah, okay. They all lived in a house. I listened to a podcast about that called Heaven's Gate. It's the same guy who actually um, hosts Spooked because he grew up in a cult. Kurt is looking it up. I am doing some research He's using the Google machine. 
Uh, this was April of 2000. 1997. Well, it's around the yeah. same time frame, though. That's when he first went on the show, right? It was yeah. 97. Because that was when the Hale Bob comment was supposed to go back over. Right. It was 1997. They were all about the okay. So it had to be right around yeah, So that was right around the Mel's whole introduction. Yeah. yeah. So now here we are three years later. So, you know, maybe he's right. But you can see from the first call, it was I have this hole. It's kind of strange. The second call is. I can't get access to my, my property anymore. You don't want to say my hole. I can't, can't get access to my hole anymore. <laughs> so he can't get access to his property, and the U.S. government pretty much buys him out, and he takes off. Yeah. So it, it's incrementally gotten a little stranger. It's escalating, yes. yeah. So now his fourth call is in early 2002. It doesn't give me a date, but I'm guessing January or February. Um, so again, it's two years later. Art and Mel rehash again. Mel sounds different. Uh, a lot of people on, on Reddit and websites and blogs said that it's a different person acting. Oh. But it, it really is him. Okay. It's just the leaps in technology from the first couple calls. Well, plus, sure. if, he, if he does have cancer in his esophagus, oh, that maybe his sense. voice is changing yeah. too. Okay. Um, but he, again, he's basically on spot on with rehashing things for the first 25 minutes or so. And it starts to go a little sideways. <laughs> uh, the transit police we talked about uh, in the earlier call took Mel's belt buckle. Apparently, Mel had made some belt buckles, but he was really concerned that his belt buckle was missing. So this is a new thing thrown in. He did mention it at the end of the third call, but Art had interrupted him, but Mel just never went back to his missing belt buckle. This was during the kidnapping. They took his belt buckle. Yes. Uh, So Mel runs into a guy who bought one of his belt buckles years ago. The belt buckle was made of coins that feature Roosevelt, Churchill, and Stalin... And he did it to kind of commemorate the Yalta Conference, World War II. The one with Roosevelt was weird because it was a 1943 Roosevelt dime. And anybody knows Roosevelt didn't die until 1945. So they wouldn't have made a commemorative dime weird. two years earlier. Yeah, um, he, he spends some time on it, but he doesn't really push the issue. Um, there's also a minting, a strike on it that says like... N for it was it was minted in New York, uh, M for it's minted in say Minneapolis. Yeah, this one apparently had a B, and there is no minting section for a town that begins with B. You know, people say like weird. Boston or whatever, but mm-hmm. there is none. Um, he went to a coin dealer who was in awe with this dime, and he wanted to buy it for a large amount of money. He said he'd think about it. And then the next, day, the next day, the guy was visited by U.S. Treasury agents. And Mel now remembers at this point in the call that he dug up these coins near the hole on his property. He mentions that the government is still in charge of the property, and he hasn't been there since he left. So he throws in a new wrinkle with this dime, and it, it does come back later. Okay, I was going to say stuff about it, but I'll It just I'll seems wait. so like... Um Look over there. You know what I mean? Like he's misdirecting things but this now. Is st- oh, I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also a, a website called the Terra Server. It was made by Microsoft. It was basically a precursor to Google Earth. I remember Terra Server. I remember using that. Um, and that they looked at it and it would show Mel's land by satellite. And his, a proper, his property was effectively blacked out with two white squares. And this was in June of 2000 when the site came live. So if you do a, a satellite search on that Terra server... Was that, you bring was that legitimate? Per- I mean, are there, yeah. are there shots yeah, of that? There, there is talk that the, he knew where the Terra server was blocked out, 
yeah. that's where he made his property. Yeah. But the Terror server was actually before the story came out. So it was actually... It was actually after. I'm sorry. But it almost gives some legitimacy to it if the, yes. gov- if the government thinks there's something there that they need to block, that they would block that out on it. Because, like military installations and stuff are blocked out or like whited out where you can't see things they don't want you to see. So mm-hmm. that almost gives some Credit. some yeah. credibility to his so, his story. Just to reiterate, the terror server came live after the story. Yeah. So he so couldn't he w- have went and yeah, said that my property is here. Oh, right. So yeah. In case I misspoke on that. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, that is strange. Uh, Mello was talking to some, their Basques, their Spanish sheep herders descended from the 1800 gold rush settlers in Nevada. He was there discussing some medicinal herbs again. <laughs> He's and big with the herbs. He is. And they said that there was uh, a hole in their area. So the new hole that Mel was brought to has the same diameter. This time, instead of the stone retaining wall, it was a metal retaining wall with kind of a, a collar around it. it whether it was a, a retaining wall or a collar is how they describe it. I'm assuming like the rim. It almost yeah. sounds like lost. It almost sounds yeah. like the hatches are lost. Uh, this one seemed more man-made, according to Mel, than the one that was on his old property. Uh, some of the Basques also mentioned a black beam emanating out of this one as well. Maybe if you throw something in that hole, it comes out on Mel's side <laughs> and vice versa. They decided to do some experiments with this one. They bought some ice ice from 7-Eleven, whatever, in bags. They attached one to a rope and sent it down 1,500 feet, and then they kept one on the side of the hole. Once the one on the side of the hole became a little melty, halfway melty or whatever, they raised the line for the ice in the hole. The ice that came back out of the hole didn't melt at all, and it wasn't cold to the touch. And when you put it in your hand, it didn't, it was lukewarm but not melting. What's so So, so basically consider like ice made of acrylic. Yeah. Where, like, it, like, wasn't, yeah, where it looks like an ice cube and you hold yeah. it. And it's, and it's weird when you put it in your hand because you expect it to be cold and wet. Yeah. And that's kind of what it came up as. That's so weird. So it's like there's, they're claiming it changed the structure. It, changed, yeah. Or yeah. The chemical it wasn't cold, makeup. but it wasn't hot and it didn't melt when you put it in your hand. It didn't melt when you put it over a fire. I wouldn't expect it to melt because it's colder underground than it is on the surface. Yeah. But it didn't melt when they put it over a fire oh, either. That's weird. Wow. Um, Are they now diamonds? <laughs> <laughs> it, it when they put a flame to it, it actually started on fire. Not it didn't start on fire like a flame per se, but like a tiny blue aura around it. You know, if you ever yeah. start up a gas stove, there's a sure. blue yeah. flame. Yeah, it, it kind of had a little aura like that around it the whole time. So weird. Uh, one guy took a bucket of it home. It just feels like a mistake. And but. he used it to heat his place because it gave off a little bit of heat. Uh, I don't know if I would have done that. I would not have done that. God knows what it's doing to your body. They uh, went back and retried the experiment a couple different times. It, it, it doesn't always happen. Maybe uh, Mel suggested 33% of the time that when they put this ice in, it comes back up this way. So they decided to lower a sheep, oh, <gasps> oh, <no. laughs> sheep. in a box into the hole. When it was raised, it was dead with no obvious signs of why. Of course, they cut it open, and it looked like it was cooked from the inside out. What the heck? Most of the organs were gone, and it looked like a gel had formed, and they also noticed a huge tumor-like thing 
where some of the organs were. The tumor had a pulsing effect. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> exactly. They decided to cut open the tumor, and they cut open, and what they saw made them pretty much poop themselves. It was a... It looked like a fetal seal, like the marine animal seal. Yeah. That's what it looked like, although it had human-type eyes Ugh. and was connected to the tumor with an umbilical cord-type thing. What the hell? I feel like we've reached the point in the story where I'm just not believing any of this anymore. <laughs> that's, that's what makes it interesting. It starts out like, okay. It's totally know, be- believable. And then it slowly yeah. gets a little bit more and more mutant, off the rails. You get mutant tumor seal babies. <laughs> Um, it detached itself. It detached itself from the umbilical cord. Oh my god! This is like a bad horror movie. Now. Just wait. Yeah. Oh, it, it gets just, better. It just kind of laid there looking around. It almost fell off the edge of the table it was on until Mel went over, kind of picked it up, and set it on the ground. Mel felt Mel felt it felt like a religious experience. It just happened, and he noticed that it automatically smelled like ozone. For the next two hours, it just seemed to look at individuals one by one. After that, it shimmied. It sounds kind of cute. If you say shimmied, it, it kind of like slowly gets slithered. closer and closer to the hole. Okay. Yeah. Mel decides at this point that it, it looks like it wants to go back in. So he set this tumor-like creature you know, onto the rim of the hole. And it, it almost turns around, looks at them with like... I'm going to ad-lib here, but it turns around slowly with like a tear in its eye, pieces out, and goes back <laughs> into the hole. Wow. <laughs> and there are other people witnessing this, yes, allegedly. all these bass Native, okay. Ameri- Native Americans, more or less. Wow. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, <laughs> after they discuss what had just happened, one of the elders puts something in his hand and tells him to put it away and don't look at it yet. Mel later decides to look at it, and he opens up and sees that it's a 1943 Roosevelt dime. Wow. Also found near that hole. Huh. Around this time, Mel also found out after this happened that his esophageal cancer had been cured. Wow. He attributes it to the tumor seal thingy. <laughs> wow, the tumor seal. Uh, the fifth and final call happens in late 2002. This is December. Again, they start the conversation discussing the Nevada hole and how that transpired. Um, Mel says the hole is now under frequent helicopter surveillance. Um, the ice that was taken by one of those Basque natives to put on into his house to heat, he put it onto the stovetop in a kettle. Uh, the stove eventually broke through the floor, <laughs> passed through the floor, and into the dirt. <laughs> The Basque native MacGyvered the stove to be able to be used again instead of having to raise it back up. And, and so he's just using it in the he's dirt? Just using, he added like a real small like stack to it yeah. and was able to still use it while it was in the dirt. Apparently he left for a while, came back, and the cabin had basically imploded on itself. Jeez. Anything that was wood became super dry and super brittle. The guy was always having a hard time breathing. It was super dry in there. So they're insinuating that this stuff... The ice. Absorbed the ice, absorbed mm. all kinds of water anywhere around it. Wow. Um, Mel gets in <laughs> contact with an old Australian guy that he knew who puts together a team uh, with cranes and heavy equipment to come to the cabin to look to see if they could lift that stove up because they know the ice is there. They know that they kind of want to see what this stuff is. The stove keeps getting deeper and deeper. Now it's about five feet into the dirt. <laughs> wow. 
They're actually able to get it out with some huge cranes that were brought in, and it's put on the back of a flatbed truck. Mel- so they like insinuating that this ice became like ridiculously heavy, like like gravity, like something yes. with gravity. Okay. We'll get we'll get to that. Too. Okay. okay. <laughs> Uh, Mel at this point thinks he's being followed. Um, he mentions that you know th- there were several witnesses uh, to that tumor seal thingy as well. They believe that it's a parallel universe creature. Um, they talk about the old Mel's hole, the original Mel's hole in Washington. He's heard that it's been re-landscaped, for what that's worth. Uh, Mel then references Kurt Vonnegut's 1963 novel, The Cat's Cradle. Yes, with the with the Ice Nine or whatever yep, it's called. That has a similar thing to the ice from the hole that's called Ice Nine. Yep. Mel wraps up mentioning that the tumor seal thingy might be trying to contact the bass through some boomboxes using radio frequencies. Hmm. Wow. The tumor seal thingy uh, through the boombox mentions that ice... This so ice, it talks? It actually like it, talks? They, it's not... It's either talking or it's embedding themselves into their subconscious. Like telepathically yeah, talking? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That this ice is an end-of-the-world type device. Yeah, like ice. This is very much Kurt Vonnegut's exactly. cat's cradle. Especially if it's ever being used by greedy, quote, greedy and undisciplined people. No one has heard from Mel Waters again. Wow. He's never been heard from Never again? been heard from after that. So this is 2002? 2002. And you can, again, you can see how it incrementally gets a little bit <laughs> yeah. worse. Yep. I, you know, people had suggested, especially on Reddit, that this was always where he was going to go with it, and that Kurt Vonnegut's The Cat's Cradle has been his end game it, yeah, his, from the his, beginning. Yeah. But it's such a popular book that I don't think you could. As think soon that as you said that, I knew what you were talking. It's a uh, Cat's Cradle is a really good Kurt yeah, Vonnegut so, novel. So it's not like you would think that he would use a popular book yeah. that somebody would. But that's it. So now we just have the two theories. <laughs> Bet you I know what those are. <clears throat> it, it was a real life hole, or this is completely made up BS. So, <clears throat> some things to add for the it's an actual real life hole would be that the way Mel talks and answers questions throughout all these calls, he's sincere, he's honest. If he doesn't know something, he doesn't try to force it, he doesn't push you, um, he doesn't always have an answer. He may suggest possibilities. He doesn't get locked into one or the other. Some of the things get a little outlandish, <laughs> but not quite in the beginning to the point of being over the top. Right. Not in the beginning. Um, the exact location of the hole was never specified. So what are the pictures we have? Because if, go- if you Google Mel's hole, like the picture in the teaser. I'm thinking it's a similar. This is what like it a similar like. looking hole. Okay. okay. Um, there is one person who's fairly well-known that is claims to have seen it his name is gerald osborne his native american name is red elk he's described himself as a intertribal medicine man he's native american white and he told reporters in 2012 that he visited the hole many times since 1961 and claims that the u.s government maintained a top secret base there where alien activity occurs Uh, is he friends with no okay so the, he's independently just saying yes. He's, he's been independently there. verifying it. We mm. also have that caller that knew a professor that says nearby there was a hole with no bottom, and one of the things that people say adds credibility to it is that throughout ancient civilizations and mythologies, there's a lot of so-called portals to hell, yeah, mm-hmm. cave entrances, yeah. you know, there are things like that. That throughout the course of time, eons of time, there's always been these things that people have uh, spiritual connections with. Yeah. So that's theories four. 
some of the theories that this is completely made up BS is that local news reporters obviously at some point tried to investigate the claims. They found no records of anybody named Mel Waters ever residing in or owning owning property in Kittitius County, Washington, where this is, and no records ever showed anybody with the Waters surname working at Central Washington University, which maybe she didn't take his last name. It's never specified mm. what his wife's name is. Are we 100% sure that that was his actual last name? If he, Maybe he was calling in with it's a possible. fake name. It's possible. Uh, no exact location was ever given. Even with current technology, no one has definitively found the property or hole through Google Earth. You know, a lot of people look. I looked at a bunch of websites where people are trying to find this. You know, he gives enough information with how far off main roads his, his access road is and the, some of the things that are around it are properties, like out, outbuildings and stuff like that. Um, and then we talked about Red Elk being a positive. He also could be a negative because in 2002, he had some reporters he took with them to show them the hole. He had 30 people. He could not find it. <laughs> and uh, ac- according to State <laughs> Department of Natural Resources geologist Jack Powell, the hole cannot physically exist and is geologically impossible. A hole of this depth would collapse into itself under the tremendous mm-hmm. pressure and heat from the surrounding strata. Powell that's said assuming it, that it's uh, it's not some weird transdimensional exactly. mm-hmm. canal. Uh, Powell said an ordinary old mine shaft on private property was probably the inspiration for the stories, and that he commented that Mel's hole had established itself as legend, quote, based on no evidence at all. Powell knew that the deepest mine shaft in the world was 12,672 feet, and the deepest known cavern was 7,188 feet. And eventually the Russians drilled to the deepest just borehole, which was 40,000 feet in 1989. Uh, At another point in his accounts, he claimed to have lowered 18 spools of 20-pound fishing test line into the hole. And by his own accounts in the the discussion, he says the spool was about 5,000 yards, totaling about 2,700 feet. 2,700 feet. 270,000 feet. <laughs> There's no... And then if we estimate that 20-pound fishing line weighs about, and we're going to get into math here, 0.162 grams per meter and assume the normal gravitational effects, the line should have clearly snapped mm. upon reaching a depth of somewhere between 121,000 and 183,000 feet or anywhere in between that from the 8 to 12 spools of line. Um, it also goes without saying that the military officers from the area wholeheartedly deny such allegations about stopping him from getting to his property. Ken Cooper, a sports, spokesman for the Army's Yakima Training Center, dismissed the entire incident to the Tri-City Herald newspaper in 1997. He says, what I understand is this Ellensburg guy said he had some property on Manishtash Ridge and that he was going up there to visit it and was stopped by our soldiers. The Army's not hiding any aviation accidents nor 80,000 foot deep pit. We're just training just like we always do. Of course, they would say that. Mm-hmm. That is it for wow. Mel's <laughs> Wow. So, your theories, ta- suggestions, anything? I, when I was into this back in the day, I, it must have ended before this last stuff because I remember nothing about tumor seal babies or stoves that burrow themselves into the ground. And that's what people say, you know, that it just, like I told you when I was researching this, I found just one post, one guy on Reddit who mentioned that 
Art had got a hold of Mel later, and Mel had actually suggested that it was all made up. And at first, it started out as kind of a prank, and it just turned into something that he couldn't control anymore. Right. But that was the only comment I've ever and, saw. And you can't, there's no trace yeah, of it. It's this. just you one Reddit user, one says comment. Says he remembers hearing that. Exactly. And obviously, Art's what, no longer what with us. What is your opinion? What do you think? I think that his hole is legit. I think he, it's hard to say, because part of me just wants to say he's all, he's full of BS, but I think the hole was legit, because I don't think you would call, I know it's happened in the past, people call with stories and they just run with it. Yeah. But I think he's just wanted to always give that little bit more of information and just, it took this supernatural bent and I think there was a hole and he just made up the rest of it. That's kind of the sense that I got was that there's probably a hole. Maybe it's not to the extent that he's described it. And the reaction of the listeners fueled his, oh, I like this attention. This is a thrill. I want to give them more now. Why would he have waited three years before getting back in touch with them? Again, if he was out for getting his rocks off by making up this story, you know what I'm saying? Like you would assume he would have done it like a month later and be like, oh my God, there's been so many developments instead of like getting in touch three years down the road. Mm -hmm. Unless he's like a, a... pathological liar on that that third call when art tried to get a hold of mel he did receive australia phone numbers okay and australia I was mailing there were addresses. records of him being there in is australia. records of him being in australia doing his wombat rescue yes um there is no bank so records maybe, maybe there he is... left the country then came back and then was like oh i might as well Give yeah. Art a call again. And like I said, this is late 90s, early 2000s. Nobody has photos. Nobody has bank records. There's no record of him existing, but that, that name at all. But it doesn't mean it's not legit. But then it's, it's like it, obvious that with the dime thing that they're trying to make it sound like it's a parallel universe. Like it's a, it's a hole that goes to a parallel mm-hmm. universe because we get these dimes that don't exist in our world. It's and, such a weird, unnecessary addition to the story. Yeah. That and the ice... Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, how do you bring that up? Did, did, did his subconscious remember the cat's cradle? It, it, you know, it's a, if you're going to find something to put all your work into it, ice isn't the first thing that usually comes to no, mind. No, like he could have come up with something, but like you said, maybe he was going off Kurt Vonnegut's book. The tumor thing is just too much. That's where they lost you Krista? Is that where we... Well, and, you know, tumor, maybe there was a, a sheep that they put down there and brought it up and cut it open and found a tumor. Tumors are weird. They can have, like, teeth and hair and stuff in them. Oh, yeah. And maybe they saw that and they're like, oh, we could run with this. Yeah, you know, we could say it was, like, a living thing. back into the hole. Right. Yeah. Had yeah. human eyes coming out of a sheep. Like, it makes no sense. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, you I, lost I me with the she's sheep. She's poo-pooing it right there. <laughs> so you're giving it a thumbs down? You don't believe For the sheep stuff, yeah. I, I think maybe there was a hole, and it just escalated and got but out of But you never know. Control. I mean, this could have, there could have been legitimate weirdness with this hole, but then he, he enjoyed yeah. the publicity he got from right. it, so then he started making stuff up. That's the sense I Even got. though there was legitimate strange stuff, he made right. it go a little too far by making stuff up. And I'm sure people who have haunted houses who tell stories, that happens embellish. too. Yeah, people start getting it. interested, and they start telling more taller tales. Wow. And that's that was, that's kind of why I go with the fact that his whole Mel's whole uh, was legit. It's like he had this hole on his property, and all the strangeness more or less happened with this Nevada hole. So it's like he mm-hmm. once he said he couldn't get access to his property anymore, he, he needed to hole. find another mm-hmm. one. something else. Yeah. But 
to make it in Nevada, to make it with these old-time Spanish settlers, it's just, was he looking for something that, like a Native American background he needed to incorporate into it? And then, like you said, he, he brings in this dime to correlate the two holes together. And it's... Well, and these probably aren't people that are going to come forward and talk about it anyway. Well, probably not. So... But if, if assuming the terror server stuff is genuine, that adds to the validity of it though if, if the government the, if there was something they knew was there they did not want seen yeah, that's that, totally what what they do that picture i sent you is the the photograph from the terra server where yeah. it shows a nearby city and then it shows these two white boxes over this mm. property and i don't know that man. is odd <laughs> i don't know what to think i think there's i i think I, there's some truth to i it. think there's some truth to it like krista said i think there's some legitimacy there but mm-hmm. i don't know where it stops or starts Wow, that is a good story. It's a head scratcher, but also just, I don't know. It's a WTF. Super out there, yeah. That is a good story, and good job researching that. Holy cow. What do you guys think? Mel's Hole, yay or nay? (laughs) Let's know. I still think Josh Gates needs to go jump in it, because there's a hole, he's climbing into it. You could turn out with a weird Kurt tumor baby. So let us know what you guys think. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, we will do our song selection now. And questions. And a question. And pickle joke. And a pickle joke. All right. Uh, song. Corey J, Corey you want to go first? Yeah. You guys go first. Mine's, okay. mine's got a sidebar. Oh, that's Mine, right. my song that I went with, and I always have a hard time with her last name, is Chantel Kravaziak. Wow. Chantel Kravaziak. Okay. Uh, she's heard of her. Yeah. She's known for her her cover of "Leaving on a Jet Plane." Um, Peter Paul and Mary. Her song that I absolutely love and have always loved since the first time I heard it. It's called "In This Life," hmm. and Chantel is legitimately one of my favorite human beings. Just I follow her on Facebook, on on Instagram, and she is on my hug bucket list that I would just love to give her a hug because I just adore her. She's you just, have a hug bucket I have a hug, like, like celebrities I wish I could hug. Um, post that. It's so curt. Post, post that. Carrie Russell's on there because I adore of Carrie course. Russell. From the Americans. Uh, and definitely Chantel Kravaziak. I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. She is married to the singer from the band Our Lady Peace. They had a song called Somewhere Out There. Really good song. But her song, In This Life, I'll post a video. I just absolutely adore her. And that is my song, In This Life by Chantel Kravaziak. Cool. I've probably never heard it. But <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. It's a song. It's it's like kind of like my last song where it's a song you would imagine being on Dawson's Creek or oh, Felicity sure. or one of those shows. Yeah. But uh, I just love her. Okay. Your song? Mine is an Elton John song, and it's Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. I have never heard that song. <gasps> yes, you have. I think no. you have. I thought it's, you were going to go with Tiny the, Dancer. No, but it's in the same movie. Oh, there, it's in yeah, Almost you've Famous? Heard it. Yeah, you've definitely... I think it might be during the Quaalude scene where he find, she's been sort of left out of the whole rolling cover of the Rolling Stone part and uh, What's-His-Face goes and oh, finds her yes, Penny and Lane like, and she's, she's like, drugged up on Quaaludes. Yeah. I think when, when the people are coming from the hotel to like save her life, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's might be playing in the background. But it's it's a really pretty song. It's sort of melancholy. I like the harmonies during the chorus, and I'll po- I'll post okay. it. Awesome. I think you've heard it before. Awesome. But it's it's a really good one. All right, mine um, is a genre that I, obviously you guys. It's more my cup of tea than yours, and that's hard rock. I, I think it's technically called metalcore, but I don't want that to pers- to dissuade lis- listeners from 
looking at this video, it's clean singing for the most part. Um, and it's, you know, you hear thousands of songs in your lifetime and you end up with like, say, 50 favorites. You have some that you like because of the music video that it goes with. Sometimes you can't separate, is the song good because of the music video? Mm, yeah, or yeah. totally. You know, like say Thriller. You know, is it the song is that good or is it the video was just, it's so good that yeah. you have to, that you end up liking the song. Um, you have songs that the lyrics are just at whatever moment in your life or even the genre. Like I'm not a big country guy. Early 90s country to me is the gold standard yes. for early yeah. country. You're talking like Garth Blackhawk. Uh, Ty Herndon, Shania Twain when she started. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and it brings you back to a time. Yeah. yeah. You know, it brings me back to an old girlfriend I had who I didn't like country at that point. I didn't give it the time of day. And she was into it, therefore I got into it. So it, it takes me back to that early 90s and it takes me back to the way I felt, uh, you know, about I being I feel with like her that's what stuff. music does. Yeah, I mean, that's totally. what music does best. Yeah. And then you have songs that are musically, stylistically, they'll never get any better. For me, I mean, I, I go back to classic rock because it seems to be the most obvious for people. The Pink Floyd's comfortably numb. Mm -hmm. it, the way it's the, the strings, the horns, mm -hmm. the, you know, that kind of thing. You have songs that the way they're sung, they make you feel. Yeah. You yep. have like Mark Cohn's Walking in Memphis. Yes. You yep. have Dan Fogerberg's Leader of the Band. Oh, yep. that's a good it one. It makes you feel their hurt. Yes. Mm -hmm. You have Blue October's yes. the feel again, yeah. stay, whatever. Yeah. You can feel his yeah, pain. That, he's, that, that, that was when he was going anguish. through the divorce and all yes. that stuff. Yeah. And my song incorporates all of that. You have... And do, there's do I like, know your song? No. Okay. <laughs> there's a caveat to it. You have to watch it with a music video okay. first. The music video is awesome. The way he sings... And it puts you into this time frame. The way he sings, he accentuates the words a certain way that you just feel that. Yeah. Uh, a warning to people that are going to listen to it with kids around. He does say GD, G-O-D-D-A-M, yeah. N, four, four to six times, and he does say the F word twice. But he doesn't say it like in for a shock factor. You, you feel yeah. by saying, by changing some words, you feel it. And the band is Falling in Reverse. I've heard of Falling in Reverse. Their, their most popular song to this point was Popular Monster. This is a song that actually came out about a decade ago, nine years ago. It, the original song title was called The Drug in Me is You. This song is called The Drug in Me is Reimagined. The Drug in Me and You from nine years ago is punk pop. It's early Green Day. Mm early Blink-182. If you watch the video, it's them uh, singing in, like, in a school with yeah. like, teachers that are attractive women. And yeah. This is just <laughs> like Typical. him in the woods. The colors, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Look, It'll make you feel. You'll, you'll either get goosebumps, you will tear up, or you will feel something at the end of the song. Again, it's falling in reverse, and the drug in me is reimagined is the name of the song. Sweet. So you're going to post the video, yes. the new yes. video on when the when we release page. the episode. Okay. Awesome. I will I kind probably of, make you watch it now <laughs> if you want. It's that good. It is that good. It might be one of the three or four songs you will ever listen that will make you feel. Yeah, what he's singing. And it's it's clean singing. It's not like the, the growling. Yeah. Yeah. 
but just like awesome. <laughs> and it came out, Guar. came out in early February, I believe. It's a tribute to his fans that have stuck with him. You know, he was in prison. He was in an earlier band called Escape the Fate. If you have any, I've heard, them. Ever heard of I've that. Heard of them. Um, his name is Ronnie Radke. Um, so after Escape to Fate, he was in prison. He started a new band called Falling in Reverse. And this is a, a thing to his fans. He posted it saying that this is to thank the fans for sticking with me through thick and thin. That's awesome. So it's a complete departure from what you would expect him to do. Sweet. Good. Very cool. I'm excited. That is, yeah. That, those are our songs. Uh, you generally have good taste in music. You, another one of these songs that I could pick as one of my favorite songs is... Fun- by funeral for a friend is uh roses no uh i'm totally blanking on it it's one of my favorite songs walk away no streetcar streetcar okay because you wanted me to listen to that song for years yes. and i never listened to it then one day i specifically remember we were geocaching in fond du lac and you and i went back to get a cache because we remembered we figured out where it was going to be and then that song came on your car stereo, and I'm like, who is this? And you were like, that's a song I've been telling you to listen to. Exactly. You're so stubborn. I and got it, and I was like, wow. And I love Funeral for a Friend. I generally don't go for, well, I kind of do go for faster music, but that's still one of my favorite songs. So you generally have pretty good taste in music. I'll give you that. Guarantee you. When, when, you, when you really like something and guarantee I'll like it, I generally that's will why like I, it. That's I'm, I'm afraid I'm overhyping it a little bit, <laughs> but I, I'm really not. I mean, it's but one that's of those, how you feel about it. Like, Disturbed's cover of The Sound of Silence, you know, the original song is awesome by Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. The yeah. Disturbed cover just pushes it. Yeah, a little farther. Because of the way he's, he's singing. And yep. you could feel it's the same lyrics. It's the same lyrics for this, this band. Yeah. The same song, it's just the way, the, the way it's, way done, it's done is different. Sweet. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to that. I'll probably listen to it when I get home. Questions? Questions. How many you guys I'll, look at me? I'll do the pickle joke while Kurt figures out his password. I've heard, of, I've heard people talk about them, but I've never really listened to them. Oh, no. This is so dumb. These are so dumb. <sighs> You're never going to get this. What is Green and goes 99 thump, 99 thump? 99 thump. What? A centipickle with a wooden leg. That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> this one's actually cute. Okay. What's the best way to call the pickle monster? Here. Long distance. <laughs> Look at the picture. He's like a Frankenstein He's like a Franken pickle. pickle. He's a Franken pickle. tumor seal thingy. It's a tumor seal. With human eyes. All right. We have to. I think we should put the Bigfoot in the closet to keep him safe. Okay, we did. Who would play the villain? That was one of our last ones we did. Yep. We'll do two. And it was Hugo. Hugo. We'll, weaving. 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 Yes. We'll do two. Okay. This one is an easy one answer or the other. Would okay. you rather be visited at your home by a black-eyed kid or a man in black? Man in black. Man in black. Man in black. Yeah, hands <laughs> no, down. No Next. black-eyed kids. No, no. black-eyed man can, in black. Even though they're sort of correlated with each other, I yeah, still take the man in black. Yeah, there's a big world of difference yes. between a man in black and I'll a, take a man in black. creepy-ass yeah. black-eyed kid. You can Smith. intimidate me all day. Will Smith can stop by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Easy peasy. finally, this one. Do either of you, although Corey's in this too, do either of you ever have recurring dreams? Mm. What do you think they mean? I've had tornado dreams my whole life. Really? Yeah, they're always different, but the they're, I'm always seeing a tornado. I'm terrified, of course, and I have a fear of tornadoes, of course. And I'll, in a lot of my dreams, I'm trying to save someone. Like I'm trying to get 
someone in my family to safety and I can't quite do it. Or there's, yeah, and, and I've looked this up, but something about feeling out of control and chaos or something like that. But yeah, I've had tornado dreams my entire life. It's been a while. Now I'll probably have one tonight, but that's probably the most, most, the one that comes to mind. I actually the have most. four recurring oh, dreams. Dang. So we'll go, I'll go next. Then. We'll let Corey go, for, go uh, next. No. I still want to shut it off before I start blathering. I'm not one to usually remember my dreams. I think since I've been an adult, I don't have recurring dreams. The only one I can think of is when I was younger. Uh, we lived in a duplex. We shared a room. And on my side of the room, there was a large bookcase. Yes. Really large. Like yep. it went from floor to ceiling and it was pretty wide. I always had the recurring dream that it would fall on me mm. in the middle of the night. And it, I, I, I don't think it's you not ever like told me this. No, I don't think I ever knew no. this. It's, it's not like it's... Was it a fear you had? Like a waking really. fear? No, no, because I knew it was... I'm sure, so well, I'm sure it wasn't bolted to the wall, but it never moved. No. Um, but it was just frequent. It was several times a week. Wow. And then it would span until we, we, we moved out of it. That's weird. But, you know... I, I, know, where you're, I know what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. we slept in that room. And it, it, you know, it wasn't like, a, like you would consider like a fear dream where it's yeah. once and you get over it. It was several times. We were probably, what, preteens, yeah. teenagers? Yep. Um, and, yeah, that's the only one I can ever think of that occurred with enough frequency that... that it st- stands st- out. stands yeah. out. Weird. Mm. I didn't know that. My four that are always in my dreams in descending order. Number four, roller coasters. There's roller coasters mm. in my dreams a lot. Okay. That symbolizes anxiety. Turmoil. Turmoil. Sure. Uh, number three are elevators. Mm. Elevators are in my dreams a lot. And my elevators are specifically in my number one thing that I'll get to. But elevators in my dreams... I'm going up in the elevators, and once I get near the top, the elevator starts to sway back and forth. And that's like a common theme in my dreams, is that swaying elevator. Is that like instability? Yes. Yeah, I'm super curious, because I know I have one thing that that kind of correlates these two at this point, so I'm waiting for the other one. Well, you might might not, because elevators aren't really known for my number one, but number two is bookstores. Bookstores constantly show up in my dreams. Yeah, that, that went through it off. Yeah, bookstores <laughs> constantly show up in my dreams. Bookstores or libraries. Hmm. That's a good thing, though. Uh, yeah, it is a good thing. That but my number one thing that is constantly in my dreams is a college campus. Mm. And it's a campus that I've never seen, but it is constantly in my dreams. It's I'm the always, same one? Some. It's usually the same one. Sometimes it changes a little bit. I can picture it in my head. I can picture going down the stairway to where the offices Interesting. are. It's always in my dreams it's almost always this college campus mm. and a nope. lot of times I'm in the college campus when I'm taking the elevator that starts to sway oh, see I, th- I thought you threw me for a loop but it really doesn't I'm looking at it as even the library ties in a little yes yeah. everything that would give a, an average person nervous energy make somebody anxious going oh. in an elevator yeah roller coasters not a bookstore really bookstore because of decisions what do I look at what do I look for that's, and then look that's at college, camp- very, yeah. college campus. Or you're and, there because you need to study and you have exams coming up. Or, but I know. never, it's never, sometimes it's like kind of like, there There are times where it's like, crap, I missed a class. Oh, I, was supposed I have to go dreams to. like yeah. that all the time. Yeah. And I'm going on the last day and I didn't do any of the work and now I have to, yeah. But I and like, to, if I didn't know you, yeah, I probably want to put that together. But knowing me, but what, knowing a nervous, you, what a nervous it is, mess I am. For as wrapped up in your own head as you get sometimes, yeah. these are the week. things that, stuck with you for some reason about being anxious, being yeah. nervous. 
wasn't college like a favorite time in your life? Yes. Though? Oh, you loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I loved college. I loved college campuses. Yeah, and libraries. Yeah, you love going the to dreams. Library. The college campus dreams are never stressful. Stressful. But I can see what you're saying that all of this ties in the roller coaster, the, mm-hmm. the elevator swaying. Yeah. Things because that are anxiety I'm, I'm honestly afraid that whatever my, my anxiety and stuff is getting worse, like incrementally. Yes. Incrementally. Incrementally worse. <laughs> that I, I might have to start like looking at counseling or medication. So, yeah, you, like it's, you can, it's, it's, getting bad you can cut this but do you t- do you no i'm not i'm not gonna cut it i'll leave it on here no i no. stopped taking the cbd oh. because i felt like it wasn't really wasn't having an effect on me Man, it, but it, like life-saver. like people have told me it's it could be a combination of the new job mm. the tooth, well, yeah you've my gone through a lot dying. of changes yeah, like it's but it's just the pandemic yeah but it, so. it's, it's weird that you got all my anxiety yeah because you have because like i have none. absolutely none you have none so like i have like nothing your, ever i have like your nice. share of yeah. anxiety <laughs> nothing it's, ever it's, makes it's getting me anxious. worse I the older have I you always been like that yes okay i never get nervous i never get anxious uh, whatever comes i'm able to within a matter of seconds it's not important yeah. i put it off to the side you can my, compartmentalize my kind of i can't control things Within ten seconds, it's out of my mind. Mm. I, I can't. It, it's not. My dad was always like that. Yeah, if I can't control it, why would I worry about and it? Curtis, complete opposite. I, I am worried opposite. And way too much. you know, like the, the strangers, like you know, having faith in me doing this job and just like sending me. Like I'm friends with a lot of the strangers. Like mm-hmm. they send me messages saying, "I hope work's going okay." I mean, that means the world to me because it it makes a difference more than you probably think it does. But that's just something I'm concerned with. So. That could explain the the rise in my dreams showing the college campus mm-hmm. and the, the college campus could be because it's like a comforting thing. So that could be like trying to get away from my anxiety. But then in the college campus is when I'm on the elevator that starts swaying. So it shows maybe I can't get away from it. Yeah, Didn't you, mean to go off on a, a <laughs> no. It's, a we're trying to analyze you. <laughs> uh, Dreams are very fascinating. Oh, I'm fascinated by dreams. I'll go through times where I don't remember mine, but I still say I have never had a nightmare. I have and dreams that's every weird night. to me is that I have never had a nightmare. Mm. Oh, I've have, I have lots of nightmares. Yeah, you see it like in movies and TV where they wake up from like a dead sleep with just sweat and that's never happened. No, that's I, never oh, happened. I'm the to same me. way. Really? I, no. I can't think of Even a nightmare. Even when my dreams are like the things that should be scary, it's not scary mm. to me. I have dreams like that a lot. And I actually have to wake Jim up sometimes. I'll hear him start freaking out when he's sleeping and I'll have to wake him up. And the next morning he'll be like, oh yeah, I know you had to wake me up because I was having a bad dream, but I can't remember what it is anymore. Yeah. I always remember my dreams. Always. I have multiple dreams I just go through periods. I go through weeks where I don't. Then all of a sudden I'm just pounded on by a week where it's just constantly remembering mm-hmm. my dreams. But it, it's weird because it's almost like a, a I don't want to say landscape, but it's almost like a... Like, I know this college campus. It's almost mm-hmm. like it, it's an actual place that exists. It's sort of like I'll have a dream where I'm at my house that I grew up in, but it's not my yeah. house. It's a different house, but often yeah. it's the same made-up oh, house. I'm fascinated by dreams. So yeah. that, that was a good question. Thank you. Yeah, very good. And I think that's it. That's it. Is there any, do we have any? We got the deets. We got the deets. You can email it's us the only us thing Kurt brought today. Way to go, Kurt. <laughs> it's like a, this is my only time I've ever had a <laughs> one-page one show notes. So what do you think of researching this stuff? I mean, that's that's kind of what I do. You know, having and I'm not going to lie, I'm very very scared about researching stuff coming up with my job because I'm going from having four days a week off to having just these two days. Yeah. So I'm a little scared. I am going to try not to let the quality drop. 
giving you a warning that the next episode might be kind of shaky because that is what I was working on when I lost my job and I was super stressed, so I wasn't really focused. But this way, it's almost done already, so I don't have to worry about yeah. an episode for a little while. You know, for me, no. I mean, my job it lets it me gives you something to do. Research. <laughs> I have. It, I had 24 hours at yeah. work getting paid yeah. pretty much to research this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, to research Mel's listening hole. to YouTube videos and browsing Reddit, which I do almost nonstop anyway. <laughs> um, it really wasn't that bad, but it's just I don't want to let anybody down by making super obvious mistakes. Yeah. You know, or not adding something that I think even if it gets one person, you know, to look into it and research it just for, you know, their own sake. So there's just a little bit of a wanting to do you guys justice. You do um, great. You do great yeah, you work do on really here. And not letting down the listeners yeah. and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But, you know, it was it too long for a mini mystery? You know, just perfect. Perfect. Oh, no. Some no, of, no, it was, it was perfect. perfect. It yeah. was absolutely perfect. Some of those things that you just kind of, you don't realize how far you're going to go down that, that well <laughs> like or that hole. <laughs> uh, Pun intended. Go down Mel's hole. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, I don't know, it, it's fun to help out. Yeah. And, you know, if I could alleviate whatever stresses you know you had this last <laughs> you, you two did, weeks so I, I truly appreciate it so no it's it's fun i like doing it awesome you know, i'm definitely not the third wheel or anything it's just but we love having you you on. guys yeah. it's your show i just help out if i can and yeah we love having you on i mean open invitation did, were you gonna come on the christmas episode yeah if we decide maybe to do that, yeah. maybe because okay. that would be cool that would be cool Maybe doing doing like a three person mini mini mystery where we each talk about one that we just think is cool, whether mm-hmm. it's a legit thing or not. We'll have to think about that. That's a good idea. But seriously, thank you for coming on so much today. No, thank thank you. you for researching and doing a story. Krista, thank you for yours because that is a story that I absolutely love and have always loved. It's just I would love to see that house. Mm-hmm. Road trip. Yeah, we might have it's to, like forty five minutes away. Yeah. We should. I don't want to be a drunk gawker, but <laughs> so I think that's it. So you can email us at the strange session at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at strange session, strange session without the S. Krista does a bang up job on Instagram at the strange sessions. You can send us postcards and snail mail to the strange sessions, PO box four, three, four Manitowoc, Wisconsin, five, four, two, two, one dash zero, four, three, four phone number nine, two, oh, four, four, three, ninety six, oh, two. And thank you so much, April, for our food. And Chris for the thank you so foot. much, Chris, for That's the amazing. awesome Bigfoot statue. It's going to go we're gonna glue in it. the closet. Yes, we are going to put it safely in the closet for now, and we are going to glue it because it looks like it is gluable, so we should be yeah. cool. So thank you so much for that. That is amazing. amazing. And I think that's it. Yeah. So for now, from the Old School Media Studio, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange. This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com. 